Morning, Ralph. Welcome to church. How are you? Oh, fine. Just fine. And good morning to you, too, Miss Smith. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, darling, I'm doing just fine. Oh, good. Uh, oh, And good morning to you, Mr. McGillicuddy. How are you and your family? Fine, sir. We are just fine. Fine, fine, fine. But, Mr. McGillicuddy, isn't there anything we can do to help you after the accident? Nope, I do not believe there's nothing at all you can do. We are fine, 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 just fine. But, Mr. McGillicuddy, I know you lost a couple fingers and both your legs. Like, how are you really doing? Oh, I got everything I need, I suppose. Nothing at all I need from you. We're doing fine, just fine. I mean, isn't there anything we can do to help? Anything at all? I mean... Mrs. McGillicuddy is still in a coma and your house completely burned down and your car exploded and when the earthquake hit, your entire yard collapsed into the earth and then the tornado came. Isn't there anything we can do to help? Son, just you never mind all that. We're doing fine, just fine. How to break through a culture of rugged individualism in your church on this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. Kick up your heels and get on your dancing boots because this is the podcast to re-energize the rural church by equipping and encouraging rural pastors. I'm TJ Freeman, one of the pastors here at Wellsboro Bible Church in beautiful rural Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, joined with... Hey y'all, I am Joe Wagner. I've been in pastoral ministry in the rural area for about 15 years and I'm on staff here at Wellsboro Bible Church. You're five years my senior as far as that goes. Whoop, whoop. What's going on, guys? This is Joshua McLaren, pastoral assistant here at Wellsboro Bible Church. Been in a rural place all my life, except for, I mean, Bloomsburg University probably still counts as rural. Comparatively. Depends on who you're asking. Yeah, comparatively. Mm -hmm. But um, been here almost five years, and and by God's grace, loving, loving, not every second of it, but he's been kind. Tell us about the parts you don't love, Josh. Well, like, I mean, some... Name and names, Mm -hmm. are you? No, I'm I'm thinking like... (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more. I don't, I don't know. Like when you can't Speaking say of confessions. you can't say you love every second of everything, right? Like hard things happen. Just you can. Fine. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, on this episode of Real Pastor Talk, tell us what we're talking about, Joe. Have you ever experienced it when somebody or some entire family in your church, you know that they need help, or you know that there's a sin issue going on, or you know that somebody in their family needs some help, but they refuse to open up and ask because they need to keep up appearances. And they might even be offended if you just show up and help without asking. Has that ever happened in your church? Like, I'm talking about that spirit and culture of rugged individualism, that great American strength, the inner strength that we all have, that we are fine, just fine, and we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're going to set our jaw and get it done. Isn't that a virtue? Well, it is if you're a pioneer or a mountain man. Which or, most of the people living here aim to be. Yes. Yeah, it seems like it's particularly more challenging. Maybe not rural places, you know, we, that rugged individualism runs pretty deep. That's so right. it's a unique challenge. What a great strength for a farmer. Right. Who doesn't have enough equipment or has too much to do and few too few many days to do it. Like we praise that spirit of rugged individualism. But when that bleeds over into the church, mm. like hey, we're not going to accept any help and we are just gonna set our jaws and do it, that's not very healthy. I got um I most of the jokes I tell during church don't land, as you guys well know. 
Um, <laughs> but I did get some laughs when I went off script and I talked about carrying armloads of groceries into the house without asking for help. You know, I've got 27 bags of groceries and two gallons of milk and a carton of eggs. And I'm like, no, I got it. You know, everybody related to that. Mm-hmm. That's why the laughter was there because it was like, yep, that's that's me. We identify with that. Mm-hmm. And I guess this entire episode and the idea for this whole entire episode of pointing out the spirit of rugged individualism and how dangerous it can be in a church is when there was somebody who had just going to get baptized. And before folks are baptized, we always interview them here at Wellsboro Bible Church. And this person happened to go, they grew up in the same church that I did when I grew up. And so our experiences were very, very similar. And the church that I grew up was not particularly healthy. And if your name was one of one or two or three family names in that church, everything was always fine, just fine, because we were always good. We were always perfect. We were we weren't going to admit that anything was wrong. Had to keep up appearances. We had to keep up appearances. We were not going to admit that we needed help in any way, shape, or form. We were the founding families of the church and mm-hmm. built that church. And we were keeping up appearances just like what TJ had said. And so there was no real impetus. There was no great desire or um, or want to grow spiritually or to seek out help from others when it came to prayer or being lifted up. And it was just really an unhealthy thing. Mm. And so that's where this whole idea comes out for from this episode. And I would bet you that there are a number of other rural churches out there who face the same thing. Yeah, being in the rural landscape, one of the the blessings and curses is the fact that you're always surrounded by people who know you, who know your parents, who know your grandparents. And, you know, Josh, you live, you grew up a county away from where you are now, but the connections are still thick. People, your reputation precedes you, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, I've been around you when people are like, hey, weren't you that kicker from the football team? And, uh, you know, there's there's those kind of connections. Anyway, that lends itself to kind of needing to protect the reputation. And, and some well-meaning parents even tell their kids things like, when you go out there today, remember you're representing your family. Which I've done that. And it's true, mm-hmm. but it falls short, right, of what you're what you're really meant to represent. Right. You're representing something much bigger as a Christian. Now, that may apply better out in the community where it shouldn't apply so much as within the church. And right. I think that's kind of what That's what, what I was at. really driving at. And what I would say is that culture and that notion it's way more dangerous than what we give it credit for. I would say that an unhealthy culture of rugged individualism is dangerously nominal. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to come right out and say that if you've got this culture of rugged individualism in your church and you are guilty of it, that you're a nominal Christian and not really a Christian at all. But I would say that it's dangerous. It's close there. Not that you're going to lose your faith if you really have faith, but man, you are on some dangerous ground. Here is what... um Oh, give me a... Hey, R.E.M.? Josh. It's R.E.M., the part about sitting in the corner, losing... Losing your religion? Your religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you're going for? No, actually, I was going for the verse address of where this came from, because I'm a really knucklehead, and I forgot to write it down. And I'm first John 5. First John... Or First John 1, 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him. 
and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I I think that that's a really telling verse. If we Mm. say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. When we walk in darkness, we're walking in lies. We're walking in make-believe sort of a land where we're not being truthful with ourselves or with others. And so just before you keep going, I think it's worth pausing on that to look at the kind of the the parallel that you see there, the dichotomy that you see there, you know, darkness hides things, including truth. So when you're not being truthful about how you really are in church, you're walking in the darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that that hits. Yeah, that's a big deal, because we wouldn't necessarily feel guilty about the fact that on Sunday morning, maybe we, you know, in our church growing up, we called it putting on the plastic smile. You you paste on the plastic smile, you shake everyone's hand, you, you say you're fine. You might not think of that as sinful, but what you're actually doing when you go through that motion of just acting like everything's cool, not investing in other people or letting them invest in you, you're actually in the darkness. And here is something else that would fit in that darkness that would seem even less dark. Like putting on the plastic smile is pretty, like you get what you're saying, get what you're meaning when you say that. The I don't want to put anybody out syndrome. Mm, yeah. That one is really big in the real church too. Like I'm not really going to admit how tough this is because I don't want to put anybody out. They'd have to drive all the way over here and spend all afternoon um, with me or all afternoon baking something to bring over. I just don't want to put anybody out. So I'm just not going to admit what's wrong. And the darkness associated with that is just pride. Yeah. You know, really, I I am not willing to admit that I am an interdependent person made to rely on other Christians. And it sounds like extra humble, right? Oh, I don't want to put them out, but it's the opposite. It's pride saying, I don't need that. I'm capable enough on my own. I'm not willing to receive the kind of help that comes from the body. That's walking in the darkness, not in the light. And here is why I say that this is dangerously nominal. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That hits pretty hard. Mm Mm-hmm. If, if we say we have do not have sin, then the truth is not in us. We're deceiving ourselves. Wow, that hammers you. And I look back in the church and I was growing up, and I'm, I'm almost certain that there are so many of them were saved. But you really have to wonder sometimes, too, because there didn't seem to be any Christian growth. There didn't seem to be any... When you don't admit sin in your life, you don't see any maturity. Like, if there's nothing wrong, then how then are you going to grow? Mm-hmm. And as Christians, as the church itself, our job as the church, as the body of Christ, in uh, as pastors, as elders, as shepherd teachers, as members, as saints, is to present one another holy, right? It's to grow and to grow into the maturity of Christ. And if we say that we've already achieved that, then there's no growth. So would you say to a rural pastor listening that it's his responsibility to create an atmosphere or a culture where we're drawing those things out? I think that you should in any way that you possibly can. And that is, and I guess I'm going to open it back up to you guys too, because I want to pause and think about this for a second, but how would we do that? Yeah, I think about when in scripture we're told, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That means that there's a specific people 
at a specific place at a specific time who need help applying these biblical principles to their lives. It's not a generic one size fits all passage of scripture that that doesn't change the truth of the scripture, the, the central message of the scripture. It doesn't change the contour of the scripture, but what it does mean is that that scripture needs to be taken and presented to somebody where they're at. And then they need to be brought from where they're at to where that scripture would have them. So if we see that, you know, in the Bible, there's a culture where you would be confessing your sins, which I think we'll get to a little bit further down the road in this episode, uh, establishing that that culture should exist. Then as a rural pastor, you can't just be content to say, my people aren't interested in that. This would be wildly uncomfortable for my church. Um, we haven't practiced this historically, so I don't really want to upset the apple cart. You know, some of those excuses we might have in our head, we shepherd the flock of God that's among us. And we say, Hey, you know, everyone in this group, we've been having this Bible study for six months. You know, everyone kind of looks like you've got it all together. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're just adding to the knowledge. You're not really opening up as a group. What are some things that we could start to share with each other that would help us confess some things, you know, and maybe you start with something, you know, I, I really have struggled with anxiety because, you know, my daughter's in school and this thing has happened and guys, I need you to pray for me. And I, I need to tell you this, even as your pastor, that I struggle with these things and I know you do too. And let's start to talk about it. Maybe you just have lunch with one dude and you pull him out of the group and you say, brother, you know, every time I've seen you for the last 10 years, you've told me you're fine. And I've accepted that. And I think that's shame on both of us. What's, what's going on with you that I could really be praying for you for, you know, some of those kinds of things, but building those relationships and then encouraging that kind of culture and and even be able to say, Mark Devers says, we need to be willing to say more embarrassing things about ourselves. So being willing to, to say out loud, this is an embarrassing thing to admit. You know, we, we do that in our elders meetings because as elders, we need Ooh, to... and that is uncomfortable. Yeah, we need a place to be able to, to shepherd each other. And we, we have to say to each other sometimes, you know, this, this is the struggle I'm having right now, or here's what's going on with my family, or the guys can ask us anything they want to ask us. And we need to be honest in our responses to those kinds of things. And I think if you do it with your leaders like that, it will spill over into a focus that you have as a congregation. Josh, share a proverb with us. I have a few. <laughs> That's um, why I asked. <laughs> I think Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So it's just foolish to think that you can somehow get along on your own in isolating yourself. You're actually as we've said, pridefully and selfishly seeking your own desire. You're breaking again, out against sound judgment. Um, so instead, pastors, we have the opportunity to do something like Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And that really gets to what TJ was just talking about. Um, one more, Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Like Joe, you were mentioning the fact that there were a number of men and women in the congregation you grew up in that just didn't seem to grow. Um, and I don't, I don't think this is just, I don't think this is talking about physical prosperity, 
Because, later on it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain, not riches, but mercy. He'll obtain mercy. I've been confessing my way to an airplane. Oh, well. <laughs> Saying it's Sorry, not Kenneth happen. Copeland. Oh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I you were confessing your way to new shiny white sneakers. I already got them. I confessed my way all the way up to them. <laughs> First day I wore them, I wore, also wore a brand new pair of blue jeans. And guess what the blue jeans did to the sneakers? <laughs> did they leave some blue? Yes, my shiny white sneakers are right, blue. Anyway. But, I mean, the, the scripture's book of wisdom, God's wisdom to us, uh, clearly speaks out against a culture of rugged individualism. Um, it's foolish. And instead, you know, we're to rest in our God and admit that we need help. We need help from him. We need help from our brothers and sisters. We're even in our sermon series on Ephesians right now. Um, We're to walk in a particular way, not as individuals, but as a church. We need one another. We We can't say that we can get on without the eye or the foot or the... Uh, the arm, like we need one another, not just to see the body grow in health, but to keep us accountable and to love us and to grow up in the head that is Christ. So. Let's be rugged, but let's be rugged together. Yeah. Mm, there you go. You could argue that it's more rugged to actually open up like that mm. and be vulnerable because then you need to be able to endure the responses and th- that builds character and then getting those things out of you and becoming more like Christ there's nothing more rugged than that. How else are we going to be able to one another? How can how are we going to be able to one another uh, one another by untangling us from the traps of sin or bearing one another's burdens? Mm-hmm. You can't do that unless you are um, honest with one another. Amen. Seems like James five is a really good conclusion. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, how do you change this at your church? Sit them down and listen. Them, have them listen to this episode, right? <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> well played. Um, no, but I, I seriously start by praying and pray a lot. You know, I I hate to think of how many things that I've been frustrated by, or maybe even gave up on, that I really didn't labor faithfully in in prayer. Mm-hmm. And if it matters enough to pursue, it should matter enough to pray about diligently. So pray, pray for your flock every day that the Lord will help them with that. Um, As rural pastors, a lot of times we have a membership that we can pray through in a day. You know, we can pull up our membership directories and and just start praying for those saints, build into a couple guys. Uh, You know, your wife isn't hired by the church, but she's still a, a follower of Christ and a disciple maker. She has to be. So maybe ask your wife to pull in a lady or two and get together uh, and and start there. Start in your little circle and affect what you can. Amen. And now we're going to finish with a quote from the Swiss reformer Heinrich Blinger. He wrote, The confessing of sins to each other is not only commanded, but it is also a means of comfort and a help to the conscience. For when we lay bare our conscience before another and receive from him the assurance of forgiveness, our heart is greatly lightened and comforted. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Amen. That's right. Josh? We have, in the last five episodes, a number of downloads from Europe. Oh. And they very well could have been Swiss, so you might have just offended our Swiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Here's your first. What's your first? 
and it just keeps going. It's more Dutch than anything. Hey, you know, if I swish, if I saw it correctly in my email, it said that one of our most popular spots is New York City. Is that true? Does it New York that? City. It might actually <laughs> tell me by county. I get location here. I okay. just had it well, pulled up. You yes. filled airtime. I don't have the ability to do that right now, so we can report on the next episode. Stay tuned. But for now, that's it for this episode of Rural Pastors Talk. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. That's unacceptable. Raise your <laughs> Ebenezer. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Yes, sir. If uh, people want to find out that information that we just withheld sooner than the next episode, or if they want to know how to get a really cool I Belong t-shirt like the one you're wearing, what can they do? Well, uh, I actually think this is one of a kind for <laughs> teachers of the school. So, they Josh, might be you're not luck. picking up what I'm no, laying no, down. No. They want your t-shirt. Oh. Yes, your t-shirt. Or they might just want to reach out to you generally for some reason completely unrelated to the t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> they could email us at ruralpastorstalk at gmail.com or they could find us on Facebook and message us facebook.com slash ruralpastorstalk. Do you recommend that? Yes. Very good. And if somebody writes in and says, I want your t-shirt, what are you going to do? If someone... if <laughs> We had a listener write in last week and he asked for the photo you said oh good he did and i gave i sent it to him i felt so silly doing it <laughs> it was if you. you are able to write in and you ask for this shirt i will mail it to you what if more than one person does it first come first serve okay gotcha so there you go get on it this is ridiculous <laughs> if this happens i appreciate you sacrificing so much for the are cause you gonna, are you gonna wash the shirt should I say no or yes? <laughs> I... That depends on the weirdness level of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, my. Can I confess something as long as we're talking about confession? Please. When we were honored to host the Gettys for a concert and a session where Keith spoke directly to ministry leaders in our area, he came to our church and he, oh, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm saying it out loud. He had two things. One was uh, this little paper hymnal thing. Did he have B.O.? No. <laughs> no, these are things he left behind. Oh. Relics, if you will. <laughs> and uh, one of them was a, was a coffee cup. And when it came time to throw them away, I thought, I just can't throw them away. So for a little while, they sat on the bookshelf in my office. So I had Keith that Daddy's coffee cup. is kind it's of creepy, relic-ish. Yeah. Don't worry. I very soon threw it away, and I thought, what are you doing? There were shards of the true cross embedded in that styrofoam. <laughs> oh, my word. In a long-dead saint's heart, <laughs> mummified. Yeah. I was very encouraged to have that brother here with us, but, yeah, this coffee cup is meaningless. Mm. So, just as meaningless as mine, which I'm halfway done with. Mine's not meaningless. No, but you know what I'm totally done with? This episode. Bye. 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 I like that.